2: And the reason behind that is soap and water actually rip apart and destroy the bacteria of the viruses. They actually emaciate them.
1: Welcome to The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Bussin, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness. Today we'll figure out how to understand immunity, we'll learn how to bring groceries safely into the home, we'll discuss home care during a health crisis, and lastly, we'll hear about personal training and fitness during COVID-19. But first, a little bit of business. The Tonic is brought to you by Purely Natural. Their liquid greens chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit-free, and great tasting greens on the market. Joel Thuna is a master herbalist and general manager of Purely Natural. He strives to improve the quality of natural products in the market and passes along his knowledge of herbal remedies through lectures and articles. Joel is a regular contributor to Tonic Magazine and a longtime guest of the show. Welcome back, sir. How are you?
2: Uh, Adjusting like everyone else.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think, well, we are literally in the same boat. Oh, yeah. Thankfully, it's not one of those uh, tour boats you know, where everybody's sick, but we're in a figurative boat altogether. And you were mentioning to me recently that even though we're well into the protocol, there's still a lot of people who have questions about immunity. Yeah.
2: Oh, definitely. We're receiving calls, faxes and emails literally hourly sometimes.
1: Wow. So how are you dealing with it at work? Do you have somebody who's dedicated to answer those questions or...
2: We have our regular customer service team. will answer any question, health-related, that we can. If it's something that's out of our realm of expertise, we will guide the person where to ask.
1: Excellent. So let's say I was calling you to talk about immunity and you had some time to chat, which we do today. <laughs> uh, what would you tell me about the immune system?
2: Well, the first thing I'd say is that everyone should realize that Your immune system, for the most part, we as Canadians take our immune system for granted and only start to care and worry about it during cold and flu season. This crisis, hopefully one good thing out of it is that people will look to keep their immune system in perfect form or as good as they can get year-round to just keep themselves healthy. And we have to remember that the immune system is an incredibly complex system with so many moving parts that all need to work together to keep you safe and healthy. Yep. It's like an army, and it goes into full alert mode when it comes into contact with any germ it's never seen before. The army includes your skin, your mucus, which are both physical barriers to stop germs from getting into your body. It also includes over a 100 trillion, and yes, I do mean the word trillion, bacteria that reside in your microbiome. The microbiome, you may have heard of it, is found in your gut, in your mucus, and actually on your skin. And the, the most amazing thing is that your microbiome produces antimicrobial compounds that compete with and combat germs by forming an active barrier. Now, underneath the mucus, you have what are called epithelial cells. These are cells that are really well squished together, and they're held together in basically in layered sheets. And each one of these sheets forms another barrier to protect you from pathogens. Beyond your physical barriers, the epithelial cells also produce their own antimicrobial and antiviral compounds that are very hostile to pathogens. If a pathogen does somehow manage to get past these physical defenses, there's still even more obstacles that block them. After all that, then they'd have to deal with your white blood cells. These are the cells that actively attack and destroy invaders. These very specialized cells literally chase down pathogens, latch onto them, and just destroy them. They completely and utterly obliterate them. They're a killing machine of pathogens. Once they eliminate the threat, they then actually store information about that specific pathogen, so if you ever come in contact with it again, they can fight the pathogen faster and you get over the infection quicker. That is why you see that you get immune shots and they actually work, because what ends up happening is that little bit, a part of a pathogen, your body recognizes, fights, and then has it in its library forever.
1: Right. So you're explaining how vaccines work, right? Like a a benign version of the pathogen is, is literally put into your body, which doesn't cause all the negative effects. The white cells come to recognize the new pathogen and develop a strategy on how to destroy those cells so that they are ready to replicate should you actually come into contact with the real pathogen that isn't benign.
2: Definitely. And they're brutally efficient at it. (laughs) Once they have that genetic material, it's in the library and the army is brutally
1: efficient. (laughs) Right. Okay. So is our system foolproof? Because we still get sick, right?
2: Yes. Unfortunately, all of us have immune systems, which I'll call them blind spots. This is why some people tend to get a cold each and every season, no matter what. And Mm -hmm. other people are always getting UTIs, no matter what they do. For every single pathogen that we can take care of easily. There's one that eh, sometimes can get through. And sometimes it'll be a blind spot that the same one gets through again and again and again and again and again. The easiest way to help you conquer those is not to get them in the first place. And this is the same mantra that's been drilled in 100,000 times to every single one of us over the past weeks is hand-washing. Hand-washing with soap and water at minimum 20 seconds is still the best way to prevent infections from happening from any kind of infection.
1: 20 seconds is like an eternity, right? Like, I don't know anybody other than, like, surgeons who actually wash their hands for 20 seconds, right? Like, you're supposed to sing Happy Birthday while you're washing your hands, right? Isn't that 20 seconds, roughly?
2: It's actually two rounds of Happy Birthday. Is it really? But the thing is, what we do in our house to make sure we actually hit 20 seconds, we actually aim for 60 and that way we figure we're going to accelerate that thing really fast, and that way we'll hit at least twenty.
1: I can't do anything for sixty seconds, Joel. So that, I don't know what goes on in your house, but I, I don't, anyways. So, so what you're saying is there there are sometimes our our white blood cells can't fight off the infection. So the best approach is preventative. Right. So if you know, if, if you know, and you know, this sort of speaks to uh, immune compromised people as well. Right. Like if you know For anyone. Yeah. If you know that you're susceptible, then you're, you're just going to have to work that much harder to stop getting the illness in the first place.
2: Definitely. And in that realm, soap is king. Talk to any single person who knows what they're talking about and they will say hand sanitizer is a backup. Soap and water washing is still so much better. And the reason behind that is soap and water actually rip apart and destroy the bacteria, the viruses. They actually emaciate them. Whereby, with your standard or even your enhanced sanitizers, all they do is they hurt it. They may kill some of it, but more often they hurt it than kill it. Your best bet always is soap and water. If you can't do that, then you move to hand sanitizer.
1: Okay. Is it because the hand sanitizers are alcohol-based, or is it something else?
2: It's not just that. It's actually the action of rubbing and lathering the soap and soap itself. It's the chemical and the physical at the same time. It's a combination. Okay. Another big thing is very few people use enough sanitizer when they're using it, use it properly, or keep it on long enough. Got it. And this is something they've tried again and again and again, and they've just found time and time again, that's the way people use it.
1: Okay. What else can we do to help our bodies fight off potential infection?
2: Well, definitely, we all know, keep your hands away from your face. It's the primary entry point for anything. So keep your hands away from your face. Don't touch it. If you can avoid it, which we're all learning is more difficult than we thought. Yeah. On top of that is our diet. Like anything else, your body is a machine. The better off you treat the machine, the better it'll treat you. Right. You want to eat healthy. You want to eat a diet that's rich in antioxidants, water, fiber, vitamins, minerals. You need to give it enough raw material to make the antivirals, antibiotics, and connective tissue that your body uses to keep all these things out. Right. Refined carbs, especially sugar processed foods, artificial ingredients, all act as immune suppressors, as does alcohol. Big one, big one. Alcohol actually impedes the ability of your white blood cells to fight off invaders. And spices are your immune systems. I call them the cheering section. (laughs) They are all massively rich in antioxidants, natural antivirals, and antibiotics. On top of that, They help with circulation, which helps your body fight off everything. I try to incorporate them into everything. For example, I add cinnamon and turmeric as well as ginger to any time I'm having a hot drink, be it tea or hot chocolate, just to make sure I get more in on top of my foods. But here's one big proviso of that. Please remember... Salt is not a spice. Right. (laughs) Spices are things, not salt.
1: (laughs) Okay. So are you saying you shouldn't have salt or it's just that salt isn't going to help you in this instance?
2: We as a society have way too much salt to begin with and salt will definitely not help with this. And you want to keep your salt levels reduced compared to what most people take.
1: Okay. When you're talking about spices like turmeric and ginger and cinnamon, does it matter whether or not we cook them? And how much should we be taking? Because some of those spices can be quite intense, right? Like you're not talking about putting like a a huge heaping tablespoon in, are you?
2: No, I'm saying start out slowly and work your way up to tolerances. In my house, for example, we all love spices, and we don't even measure them. We just pour them in. But that's also after 30, 40 years of doing a great deal of spices. My wife used to live in India, and over there, they don't even measure. (laughs) They just dump. And me, I grew up in this industry, so in our household, we always just had tons of it. It was a given. Mild food never existed in our house.
1: (laughs) Fair enough. All right. So how do we help with gut health? Because you said before the the microbiome, one of the key ones, is in your gut.
2: Definitely. What you want to do is you want to take a good quality probiotic and prebiotic supplement daily because 80% of your immunity comes from your gut. You have to treat it with respect. You want to give enough probiotics to your body every day to replace those that are naturally dying as they do their job. And so you want to replenish them every single day. On top of that, you want to take prebiotics. And prebiotics are the food for probiotics. And mm-hmm. the point behind that is that if you just take probiotics, you're only replacing what's dying. If you actually take prebiotics and probiotics, not only are you replacing what's dying, you're also helping some not to die in the first place.
1: Right. And you're, you're making the probiotics stronger by giving them the food they need to replicate and grow. So Definitely. I know that there are some foods that are prebiotic by their very nature. Can we get enough prebiotics in our diet?
2: Theoretically, yes, but the odds of doing it day in, day out are pretty slim. Yes, you could... Get some prebiotics if you had your fermented foods. Right. But the odds of getting enough every day are very slim.
1: All right, because I'm trying my hardest. I've been having a lot (laughs) of yogurt, you know, a lot of... uh, I don't like the kefir, but, you know, we're trying with the sauerkraut, etc., etc. So there you go. It's
2: definitely not going to hurt, and it's going to widen your diet as well, which also doesn't hurt.
1: True. All right, what about supplements? What do you recommend?
2: Well, the big three vitamins are two vitamins and mineral, vitamin C and zinc. There's tons of clinical evidence on the combination of 1,000 milligrams of vitamin C and 10 milligrams of zinc in reducing the duration and the symptoms of viruses in the same family as COVID-19. Additionally to that is vitamin D, there's tons of information out there showing that vitamin D supplementation reduces the risk of respiratory infections. Additionally, there's a study that was just released. It's a long-term study on healthy aging out of Ireland. And their critical statement at the end was vitamin D plays a critical role in preventing respiratory infections and boosting the immune system response to infections. Pretty much exactly what your immune system wants to hear you do. <laughs>
1: Can we circle back to vitamin C for a quick sec? I of course. Un- I understood that it kind of goes through your system and that there's a point at which if you take vitamin C, it doesn't really matter. Like the more you take it, it is your body's just not going to be able to absorb it. So is that true? Am I right about that? Or can we Not really, not get-
2: because vitamin C is a water-soluble vitamin. Okay. So you could take a ton of it today and whatever your body doesn't use goes right out in your urine. Okay. Vitamin D is a fat-soluble vitamin. So what you don't use today, if you take too much, actually gets stored in your fat and your body will use later.
1: Got it. What about lifestyle, Joel?
2: Lifestyle always plays a role, always. You know me, I'm a big proponent of exercise and yoga. Yep. And the nice thing is physical exercise and yoga are both helpful not only for your immune system, but they also help respiratory health And your emotional health, because as all of us have seen right now, we're all going stir crazy. Yep. And yoga and exercise both are ways to help reduce our stress levels and help us handle things.
1: We have time for one more question, and that is detoxing. Is it yay or nay?
2: Definitely yay, but gentle, not severe not severe. You want to do a gentle detox daily. And the reason you do is we're all cooped up indoors. We've all got so much toxins around us. Just we're being bombarded all the time. Also, we've got all the sanitizers. We've got all the soap we're exposed to at all times. And a lot of us are eating preserved foods. You want to make sure that you have at least a couple glasses of really clean water with liquid chlorophyll, every day, and drink as much water as you can handle, or tea, anything you can do to help your body eliminate and detox and get rid of the junk.
1: Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today.
2: It is always my pleasure, sir.
1: Joel's going to come back next month to discuss more health and wellness issues. We've got to take a short break, but when we return, we'll hear how to bring groceries safely into the house on The Tonic. And now the group travel tidbit brought to you by EF Go-Ahead Tours Canada. Experience the world like a local by traveling alongside expert guides who call your destination home. Enjoy authentic meals, immersive sightseeing, and enriching cultural activities. They'll handle all the details. Here's Kate Edge with this week's reason to travel solo, but not
3: alone. Perhaps the most important reason to take a group tour is that there's more bang for the buck. Group tours can be less expensive than traveling on your own. Because of the volume of purchasing, group tours get discounts. Those savings are passed along to the traveler, making your dollars stretch even further.
1: This has been your Group Travel Tidbit. For more information, visit goaheadtours.ca.
3: This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio.
1: My next guest, Shauna Lindzen, is a dietitian and nutritionist. She's a program developer and nutrition leader at Wellspring Cancer Support Network and enjoys seeing clients virtually and doing corporate wellness lectures. She runs practical cooking demonstrations that combine scientific knowledge with culinary education. Her demonstrations are unique, informative, delicious, and a lot of fun. You can find a list of her nutrition classes and recipes, which I'm sure are online right now at shaunalindzen.com. Welcome back to the show.
4: Thanks, Jamie. Thanks for having me.
1: So, you and I sometimes bump into each other at the grocery store, although that's not happening these days, right?
4: Unfortunately not. <laughs> you're bumping into
1: nobody. You're like, you know, for, for contact, you, you know, you're not even allowed to fondle the melons or anything like that anymore.
4: You're actually running away from people when you see them.
1: Exactly. And it's become an issue for some about bringing products into the house, So we thought it would be interesting to sort of discuss what is it actually that our government wants us to do, and what are people doing, and and let's try and bridge the gap,
0: okay?
4: Okay, so I guess to start off with, my first point, and this one is very difficult for me and you and people who are foodies, don't go too often. So we have to try, and it's hard, to go once a week um, to stretch everything out. I think once every two weeks is pushing it. And if you are going to the grocery store instead of buying it online, you want to get in and out as soon, as quick as possible. Yep. And the main thing I'm doing, which I find is working, is I'm taking an inventory of my pantry, my fridge, and my freezer, and I'm making a list. So if you're normally the type that doesn't make a list, you know, you go in, you decide what you want when you're in the store, that's probably not the best way to do it nowadays. You want to know exactly what you want. You want to think of the store you're going to and think of it in sections, right?
1: I'm list boy. I mean, Naomi makes fun of me because because I will plan out the dinners for the entire week, And go through, exactly as you said, the inventory of the pantry and the fridge to make sure that I have everything I need to make those meals and then sort of round out with snacks and other things like that. So I never set foot in a store without a shopping list.
4: Which I love, which is actually the way to do it now, which is the only way to way way to do it now. It's
1: the way to do it, period. Truthfully, exactly. like even if you're not meal planning, it still makes sense to have a list, right? I mean, yeah,
4: it's funny that you say that because it's the way to do it. And people, maybe this is a good learning opportunity for people to learn how to generate lists because some people aren't list people, right? It's, yeah. it's the way you learn. Okay, like so
1: like if you saw the chaos of my office, you would never imagine that I'm a list person. But this is my free advice for all the tonic listeners. If you're going to do a shopping list, I do it kind of like by aisle. So I, Mm -hmm. rather than what, like rather than a random list, I have a fruit and vegetable sub list. I have a dairy sub list. I have a meat sub list and then all the other items, you know, all mix in sort of like sundry items with like spices and herbs. But like, if you think about the way your grocery store is laid out, that's probably the way it's laid out in any event. And it makes going up and down the aisles that much easier and you don't forget anything.
4: Exactly. And it organizes you and it organizes your brain, your thoughts, and it makes you not go through the grocery store thinking, oh, I forgot this. I forgot that. You Literally, you pick up in the kind of the quadrants, if you want to say, you go to the milk section, you go to the, yeah. and it works. And to be honest, I think some people, their brains don't work that way, but it's a good idea to get into the habit of organizing it that way. I think it's a good technique.
1: Also, it really stops you from sort of the randomly grabbing ice cream or candy. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like it stops you from just grabbing stuff because exactly. it's unnecessary. Like if you're organized, look it, I'm not, dogmatic and I love my snacks more than anybody, but it really helps to cut down it. Cause if you're not bringing it into the house, you're not going to eat it. Okay. So,
4: exactly. It's the old rule of don't go on an empty stomach, right? hundred percent. Yeah.
1: Okay. So what else are you recommending other than less?
4: Okay. So the other thing is you have to remember when you're in the store, you want to stay about six feet away from everyone. So yep. that includes the people shopping, the people stocking the shelves, the people at the in the lineups, the people you're buying the groceries from. So I like to go to self-checkout if I can. Go to the store by yourself. Don't go with a family yeah, member. Yeah.
1: I've been noticing people have been doubling up and I find that so annoying because the stores are limiting the numbers that you can go in. So if you're bringing an extra person, you're actually doubling the wait time for everybody
4: exactly and some people are even saying that if you're with a family you're only allowed two people like some grocery stores are laying down the law in that regard
1: and you don't need it you don't need it to carry it out because they are so overstaffed right now that they're letting you go out with carts they're they're having people help you take it to the car so you don't need to go with your family member i'm sure you're sick of seeing your family member
4: just
1: i know i am so designate one shopper and let that person go and do it
4: Yep. Another really good tip is shop at off-peak hours. Yep. So first thing in the morning, they're segmenting, you know, For they're the taking yep. the elderly, seniors, which is good. If you go kind of later on, I think that's good as well. Lunchtime's probably not the best time. You know, other tips are only pick up what you are going to buy. Don't pick something up, look at it. I was in the grocery store the other day and literally a lady picked up 10 boxes of eggs. And I thought to myself, not a good idea. And she stood there way too long. <laughs> like I almost wanted to honk, honk, well, right?
1: I, I won't go shopping with Naomi because she examines all the-
4: everything. Uh, she examines
1: yeah. everything and, it, and I find it exhausting. And so she knows I, when it comes to food shopping, I go solo. So.
4: Now, Jamie, are you wearing masks and gloves when you go? No. Okay, so I and I
1: I know know I'm bad,
4: but I'm not. Yeah, I've decided initially I wasn't. I was doing gloves, but. The big problem with gloves, and I don't know if you, I've seen a lot of different, let's say, YouTube videos online where they put sparkles, like let's say purple metallic sparkles on your gloves, and they see how much you can see how much you touch your face, your phone, and that's kind of cool. Like putting sparkles on your glove, seeing if it's sitting on your phone, your face, we should not treat gloves like hands with gloves in it, like our bare hands is the bottom line, right? Yeah. And it's hard to do that. Like, do that experiment. Like, I have you ever not, done an experiment not, like that? I'm not
1: wearing gloves, and I'm not, like, <laughs> for, for my own peace of mind, and, and you know, I'm sure I'm going to get emails and calls about this. I'm finding I'm coping very well with COVID, except to the extent of going food shopping, which I used to enjoy immensely. It now feels like we're in Soviet Russia. And I apologize if I've offended anybody from Soviet Russia who found it way worse and, and I'm being a baby. But like, I just I find it depressing and I don't enjoy the experience. And I feel uh I feel like the masks are overkill. And I think we're just kidding ourselves. But that's yeah. my personal view. So, again, I hope I haven't offended anybody.
4: Yeah, I guess it's one more. Initially, they were saying with masks that it's if someone does have a cough, actually, which is another one of my points. If you do have a cough or a cold, you shouldn't at, be shopping. Absolutely stay away from the grocery stores no. for everyone's protection. Correct. And if you do put a mask on and you have a cough or a cold, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Right? Like you're probably choking under that mask. If Let me you're tell you, I,
1: I have the good masks, I have the 95s. Oh, really? It's really unpleasant to wear them. Let me yeah. And
4: those actually expire. Check the expiry date. Yep. Yeah. So in terms of um, the gloves or mask, it's not a hundred percent protection. Yep. So, you know, don't think you're a hundred percent protecting yourself.
1: Exactly. Let's get to the $64,000 question. Are you washing mm-hmm. everything that's coming in your house?
4: Okay. So I actually did my research. I looked up on the WHO, the World Health Organization, the FDA. I looked up to see what they're saying in terms of how long the virus can live on the surfaces. So right now, they're saying several hours to days, the virus can live on the surface, but with a big capital B. That does not mean you have to waste every single lifestyle wipe that you have in your house to wipe everything down. It's your prerogative if you get something delivered that's in a cardboard box, if you want to leave it outside for 24 hours, so be it, but be careful. If there's something perishable in there, you can make yourself even sicker, mm-hmm. right? So be careful. Now, the number one way to prevent it getting into your respiratory tract, that type of thing, is washing your hands. So let's say you pick up a can. Let's say someone has sneezed on the can. Mm -hmm. If you wash your hands, you're protecting yourself. So you don't have to diligently wipe every single surface area down, you just have to be smart like you would have before COVID. So I'm going to give you some examples here. Produce. Let's talk about, you know, produce in general. So with produce, what you want to do is you want to wash it for about 20 seconds under cold water. I do that anyways. You know, for an avocado, I don't want, if there's listeria on it, once I hit the knife on it, I don't want it to go into the avocado. So wash your produce for 20 seconds. Now, the next question is going to be, do I use soap? No. You do not want to use soap because soap is not food safe. So if you start using things that are not food safe, you could actually give yourself nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea.
1: There is such a thing as food wash, right? Like there is special There stuff. is,
4: but it's not the same thing as soap. It's right. a citric acid base, which is grapefruit peel. So that's just going to remove dirt. That's not going to remove virus. Mm-hmm. So you can do that. So there's, and also I want you, everyone, to remember: there's no evidence that it can contaminate the food and cause foodborne illness. So it's literally, if someone has COVID or is a carrier and sneezes or gets droplets onto your food, which is pretty not that likely, they're saying.
1: So that's food. What about non-food items and and bringing cleaning supplies into the house, etc.?
4: So you want to make sure that your product is at least 60% ethanol or 70% isopropanol. And this is what kills the RNA of the virus. So it kills the protein. And that's for non-food items.
1: Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today and and clearing up what we should be doing.
4: Okay. Stay safe, Jamie, and try to enjoy.
1: You'll be back next month to discuss spring cooking. Absolutely. That was Shauna Lindzen. We've got to take a short break, but when we return, we'll hear about home care during COVID-19 on The Tonic. Alamax Canada is the company that delivers real, bioactive, stabilized allison. Using only the freshest garlic from Spain, Alamax is the trusted source for a high-quality and effective allicin supplement. The manufacturers of Alamax have dedicated their time to researching this fascinating plant and all of its antimicrobial and antibacterial benefits. To fight infection and stay well, take Alamax. For more information, visit alamax.ca.
2: Wayne Elliott here to share my great experience over the past 20 years with Strauss Heart Drops. If you've had bypass surgery, stents, have angina, diabetes, cold hands and feet, grayish blue lips or skin, I urge you to try Strauss Heart Drops and feel better again soon. Strauss Heart Drops saved my life and thousands of others without risk or harm. Go to StraussNaturals.ca to order online or find a store near you. I promise you won't be sorry. I hope you give this to yourself.
1: Thank you.
3: You're listening to The Tonic on Sumer Radio.
1: My next guest, David Bernstein, graduated from the Schulich School of Business with an MBA in 1992. He worked in marketing and senior management with Procter & Gamble and Bing Bingkieser in Toronto, Tel Aviv, Amsterdam, and London. Following in the footsteps of several family members, David entered the seniors' healthcare field, acquiring Caregiver Services Limited in 2014. Good morning, my good friend. How are you?
0: I'm okay, Jamie. How are you and your family?
1: Everybody is safe and sound, and, and I know in speaking with you, that's the same for you, and that's good. But there's a lot of people out there who are at home, they're older, they're sick, they're in need of care, and there's a lot going on there now. So so yeah. what's happening in your industry and, and what's happening with your clients?
0: It is an incredibly challenging time in the industry, as I'm sure people can imagine. You read a lot about the challenges that the whole healthcare system is experiencing but it's mostly about doctors and nurses and and sometimes about PSWs. Yeah, I actually, one of my clients, through them, there's a a doctor in the family who tells us that a large percentage of the COVID patients they're now seeing are actually PSWs. Wow. And, you know, it's really, it's it's quite sad. It's unfortunate. They're put in harm's way on a regular basis. They're doing incredible work. So firstly, I want to just kind of point out how, unbelievable the caregivers and psws are right now they obviously are not you know paid what nurses are paid or doctors are paid they don't have unions they don't have these things yet they show up day in and day out and they go into facilities and they go into private homes many of them have to take public transit to get where they're going and this is for you know incredible work um and that work is now changing quite a bit as you can imagine, in the old days, the client and the caregiver could go for a walk, they could go grocery shopping, they could, you know, go around the block, whatever it is they wanted to do to break up the monotony of just sort of staying at home. Now, whether they're in a private home or a facility, realistically, they all need to stay in their room. Yeah. And that can be very frustrating to the clients and the caregivers, et cetera. The other challenge that the industry is facing is for all of the right reasons, caregivers, PSWs, are increasingly not allowed to have more than one client. Yeah, And that really changes things. You know, my industry is made up of 24-hour care, 12-hour care, let's say 8-hour care, but a lot of 3- and 4-hour care, where a caregiver comes in the morning to help someone get ready for the day and then comes at the end of the day to help them sort of get ready for bed, etc. That's almost not possible anymore. Because, as you can imagine, a caregiver working three- or four-hour shifts has to visit multiple clients. Right. It's the only way they're going to make a living. And if they work in a facility, if the client's living at a senior's home, completely independent living, that facility is now saying that any PSW visiting can only visit one client and can't work in more than one facility. Which means if you've got you know caregivers who are doing three- or four-hour shifts three times a week, that is the beginning and the end of their work, and nobody can sort of make a living on working 12 hours a week. And with what the government programs are, that are available now, which were are really quite uh, excellent for particularly people in this industry, if you have a choice between getting 12 hours of work going into a facility three times a week or staying safe at home and earning $2,000 through the CERB program, you're likely going to pick the latter. Yep. But notwithstanding that, caregivers are showing up.
1: That's my next question. Are you finding that it's impacting your ability to place caregivers?
0: Well, it is, but two things are happening. Firstly, the facilities are sort of making the decision for us. Yeah. If you used to have a three or four hour shift, they're basically saying not allowed anymore. So a large number of my clients simply have no care if all they needed before was three or four hours. Because the facility says that is not absolutely necessary and critical and they'll do their best to meet that client's needs. Their challenge, of course, in the facility is they are have reducing numbers of staff that they can use. Yep. That's one angle. Now, what we're doing now is we're basically saying to clients, whether they're new clients or their existing clients, that we need to give the caregivers enough work for them to be safe with one client and not have to do multiple clients. And so right now, with very few exceptions, Minimum shift lengths are now eight hours, and it has to be multiple days a week. Otherwise, that caregiver is not going to make any sense for them to want to go do this work and take these risks. So obviously I'm talking to clients about it. There are many clients who can't afford that. We're trying to be creative without increasing risk. But the sort of essence of it is anywhere we can, reducing the number of caregivers any client is exposed to, Where We're we're reducing the number of clients that the caregiver is exposed to, and we're increasing the length of each of these shifts. So that bottom line is fewer people are exposed to fewer people, and we just try to deal with that on a case-by-case basis. Now, in some cases, we have seven-day-a-week, 12-hour care, 24-hour care, where you might have four caregivers visiting one family member or maybe even more than four. We're doing everything we can to reduce that. Where possible, we're trying to convert it to live-in care. Now, that's a challenge because for clients who have had a 12-hour day shift and a 12-hour overnight, they have a 12-hour overnight because that client gets up in the middle of the night and needs help. Yeah. Well, you can't have a caregiver working three days in a row, 24 hours a day, and having to wake up four times a night. So, again, we're trying to find creative solutions where the caregivers can stay safe and get rest. But at the same time, we don't have to have four, five, or six people in a given house.
1: Yeah, I would imagine also the logistics. Like, if you're not set up to have a caregiver live in your home, that in exactly. and of, it's, of itself creates a problem. So, how are you dealing with that? Are, are the caregivers sleeping on couches or um, or are right you in now, cots? Or
0: we've been fortunate. I mean, we tend to focus on fewer, larger clients, so clients who have larger amounts of care. Yeah, and so often they have the spare room where they have a couch that's in a very different room. They have multiple bed, bathrooms. And so we've been able to avoid any significant issue. The bigger concern, which fortunately we haven't had to deal with, is what happens if a client or a caregiver has a symptom. Right. Imagine a client who has four caregivers coming and going, and they have to have four because it's seven days a week, two shifts a day, Um, or maybe it's three. And one of these caregivers has a fever or a cough. You know, if you want to be very conservative and smart, you need to take all those caregivers, quarantine them all including the client. Then you have a scenario where the client has no care. Right Now, in some cases, that may be able to be managed depending on whether they're in a facility that can supplement the care. In other cases where the client has dementia and mobility issues, it's very high risk. So then you might end up trying to figure out whether you can quarantine a caregiver with a quarantine client. But, you know, we haven't had to cross that bridge. And in every case, we talk to every to the family about how they want to approach it. If the caregivers are in a facility or the client's in a facility, independent or assisted living, we discuss it with the nurses because they have their own protocols, and we do whatever... The facility asks us to do, obviously consistent with the client's needs.
1: What about supplies? Like, forgive me, I'm ignorant, but yep. with, in your industry, are you supplying your staff with the masks and the gowns and all that? Or uh,
0: yes, yeah, so far, very early on, we went and got some supplies: masks, surgical masks, disposable gloves, and gowns. Yep. Now. This was under the assumption that I would not be providing care for people who tested positive. Right. And the main reason for that was that testing positive is a much more significant issue particularly for my kinds of clients and their care needs probably exceed what a PSW should be doing and they should probably be in a hospital setting. So my first objective was let's prevent any spread, let's reduce max let's maximize the reduction of risk with everybody and so we went out and got those uh, supplies. Now if you were a caregiving company during SARS, you may have already had all of that because you experienced it. Uh, the company that I have, we weren't, uh, at least I wasn't the owner of the company at that time. We didn't have, or, nor do we provide care for SARS people uh, back then. But I was able to get all these supplies. So right now I've mandated that every caregiver wears a mask the entire time they're doing any shifts, and depending on the, on the nature of the care, gloves and a gown. The challenge with gloves is that Gloves, to some extent, give you a false sense of security because a contaminated glove is simply is still spreading the virus around the client's room, onto the client wherever. And so obviously, if they're doing personal care, wound care, anything like that, they're gloved anyway. But depending on the specific needs, uh, of that client, it may not make sense for them to be wearing the glove all day because that doesn't prevent them from if if there happens to be contamination spreading it around. Right. Because it's, it's better they should almost, in my opinion, and this is you know I don't think it's that contentious, but uh, if you're not dealing with personal care issues, you might be better off being barehanded and washing your hands frequently. That would make people, I think, be much more aware of the need to wash their hands. And as long as they're wearing the mask, they're not touching their face and they're not spreading anything that way if that were the case. So right now that's, you know, again, every, every client is a, a bit of a unique situation depending on their needs, but we do have the materials. I had to overpay for a bunch of masks to get them quickly because my medical suppliers all have hospitals and nursing homes higher off in the priority list than caregiving companies. So we, we sort of weren't enough of a priority, so I had to do whatever it took to get the supplies.
1: Well, we're certainly glad that you did. Thank you so much for coming on the show today.
0: You're very welcome. Thank you for taking the time to discuss all this with us. And please, if any, any caregivers are listening, we are grateful for your work. Thank you so much.
1: Absolutely. We've got to take a short break, but when we return, we're going to discuss personal training and fitness during COVID 19 on the tonic. Keeping your immune system strong and stable is important to staying healthy. New Roots Herbal offers vital antioxidants and immune boosting supplements to keep you at your best. Discover Resilience Mushroom Blend, powerful green tea extracts, and their best selling vitamin C8 formula. Find these and other New Roots Herbal products exclusively at quality health food stores. And for more information, visit newrootsherbal.com. To ensure these products are right for you, always read and follow the label. I'd like to give a shout-out to our new sponsor, Omega Alpha. This company is 100% Canadian-owned. Their team consists of allopathic and naturopathic doctors, nutritionists, researchers, and other scientific professionals all led by their CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Formulations are created on their 40,000 square foot facility located in Toronto. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit OmegaAlphaInc.com. Hi, this is Jamie Busson. I'm not only the host of the Tonic Talk Show, I'm also the publisher of Tonic Magazine. Tonic is a health and wellness magazine distributed with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in the most affluent neighbourhoods in Toronto. It's also available free on racks at over 150 locations across the GTA. For more information about Tonic Magazine, visit tonictoronto.com. Hey, if you like the Tonic talk show, you'll love Tonic Magazine, and vice versa. This
3: is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio.
1: Ali Lubin was born and raised in Toronto to two very athletic parents. Her love of sports, health, and wellness led her to her first university degree in kinesiology from McGill University. Her keen interest in preventative medicine led to her second degree in dietetics from Ryerson University. She worked for years with elite athletes as a dietitian and fitness coach, and then as a downtown dietitian working with trainers to try and make people as healthy as possible through nutrition and exercise prescription. In 2009, Allie opened her own studio, now Studios, Harmony Fitness. Welcome to The Tonic. How are you, my friend?
3: I'm well, thank you. How are you?
1: I'm good, but I have to be honest. like you know you see me several times a week because i I come to your I come to harmony to to work out, and it's easy for me to get my ass off the couch and go to a class because I know it's coming and I, I prepare and I change and I drive and I go over. But now that I'm in the house and we can't go to gyms to work out, I'm finding it really hard to motivate myself, and it's hard to sort of get the exercise in but it's still important, right? Like exercise is important for everybody.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. I understand the motivation component of it. And I've, I've heard from many clients. And the very first thing I say to them is just like you would do for the gym, put it in your calendar, set your alarm and schedule it. So if you know how your day plays out, whether you're working and you can do something before you shower and start working, schedule it, sign up for uh, an online class, go outside, get some activity, which we'll talk about further Or midday, same thing, schedule it. Make sure that you're accountable by, again, signing up for a program or meeting a friend for a social distanced walk or run. Make a a time with your family members to get off that sofa, get off your computer, stand up from behind your desk, and schedule a time to fit exercise in.
1: Yeah, I I think, you know, you, you spoke about routine. And I think the one thing that's sort of keeping me sane is that I'm trying as best I can to keep that routine going because I do have a very regimented, you know, I publish the magazine, the magazine comes out, you know, I have the talk show. So I have to do certain things. And, you know, things are changed because of covid. But I'm still trying very hard to sort of maintain that routine. But I think the exercise is also important for your mental health, too. Right. Like just to clear Absolutely. your head. I know after after going to a class or just lifting some weights or just doing something, it's a time to empty my brain, but it also, like the endorphins really do come out.
3: Absolutely. Exercise releases chemicals like endorphins and serotonin that just naturally improve one's mood. Exercise gets you out in the world, helping you have human connections to other people. It helps reduce your levels of stress. It helps reduce levels of mental health challenges such as depression and anxiety. It helps you to recover from mental health issues. Exercise is important for so many things. Even sleep and memory exercise is important for. So for those people who are working and they're lacking their exercise right now, it'll come out in their, in their work performance as well.
1: Right. And, and, you know, just as an aside, we don't really need to discuss it. Like exercise can actually help with your immunity. If you are sort of getting a a good enough sweat in, it can actually help uh, move the fluids inside your body and and help your body sort of get rid of some of the toxins. So there's that as well. I wanted to ask you because, you know, we're all sort of in our own little cocoons and in our own heads dealing with what's going on economically with our own businesses and, and families. Uh, what's going on in the industry?
3: That is a very large question.
1: Yeah, that's okay. we got time.
3: So <laughs> people ask me all the time, and, and my main line is, I don't know. So I can speculate a ton. I can talk from my own experience. I'm someone who does a ton of homework. So I've spoken to an accountant. I've spoken to an, a lawyer. I've spoken to insolvency lawyers. I've spoken to my distributor as to... Um, Should I sell off equipment and bring in new equipment? I've spoken to clients who are saying we're a community and we're going to return and I've heard other people who say the new world is going to change everything. So there's so many aspects behind that with respect to the fitness world in general. Many of us are doing everything we can to one, support our communities, the people that we see every day, by continually offering support online through classes or through written workouts on platforms like Instagram and Zoom and Facebook. So we're trying to maintain the community the best we can. None of these are going to be giant money makers to be able to pay rent, but it gives us the exposure that we need to stay in people's minds and to remind them that there is another side to this and, and we will come out of it at some point and let's stay together to the best of our ability so that when we have the ability to return back to the new normal, let's call it, then we're here for you. Having said that, though, timing is everything. If, if you don't have landlords that are supportive of you not making an income, then people can only afford to hold on for so long Having said that, if you have a great landlord and or you can figure out some form of payment structure to pay back what you're going to owe in the long run, then then businesses will be okay to survive.
1: Yeah, you know, with, with, with the landlords, you know, some of them really have to think longer than just the next month because what's going to happen is if they don't support their existing tenants, some of whom have been there for years and are obviously good tenants who pay their rent on time, they're going to end up with empty facilities, right? Because Correct. everybody's in the same boat. If nobody can afford to pay rent, well, then there's not going to be any new businesses knocking down their doors to come in and take the empty space that they caused by allowing their tenants to go bankrupt. You know, but that's a discussion for, for another show.
3: Yeah, uh, how
4: that's, is it? that's a big discussion.
3: <laughs> it, it
1: is. I've got, I've got plenty of ideas on that, but, Great. but Me too. how about the trainers? How are they doing? Because a lot of them make their money simply from, from, from doing the classes, right? They're
3: freelancers. Correct. So the trainers, there's a lot of different levels to speak about the trainers. So let's talk financially, first of all. With the CERB subsidy that the government is offering, and the only alternative to the trainers right now is to do some form of Zoom or online training or classes with their clients, some of the trainers are weighing the pros and cons of taking a smaller income versus the CERB subsidy. So it all depends on there's so many factors that it depends on. I have a great group of people who are still committed to doing online programming for me, which is amazing. And that we've uh, committed with their personal training clients and we've supplied them with equipment so that they can continue to do their online personal training, which is amazing. On the flip side to that, how are the trainers? The trainers are very, very positive human beings who are used to being up super early in the morning and go, go, go. So this, Slow down in their profession has been very challenging on their mental health. Yeah. And I usually ooze positivity and I'm trying my very, very best, but I have no answers for them in terms of how long. And, and I will say that often, we don't know how long anything is. So I think being a month in, I'm definitely seeing a change in attitude. I'm seeing a change in moods. I'm seeing a change in what people's new normal is. And as you said before, it's all about establishing a routine and not breaking that routine. Don't allow yourself to stay in bed endless, for endless hours. Get up, start your day, and make those appointments with the clients. Make those appointments to teach to try and keep as much normality as possible.
1: Okay, let's flip it around to the people that come to your facilities. So, yeah. so like, there are people like me who uh, are very regimented. They're four, five, six, seven times a week and really kind of rely on the exercise. And for me, it's, it's a bit of a challenge. I, you know, have I put on a few pounds? I'm not saying it's radio, it's not TV. You'll have to find out. <laughs> but, but, <I> have. <laughs> but, like, what do you recommend for people who are trying to keep up with their fitness?
3: So as much as I would love them to be a part of the Harmony Fitness platform and and helping support our community, I also know how important it is with the coping tools that we have available to us, which are simply go outside and walk, Yeah. get some fresh air, get a change of scenery. Again, there's a social component to just seeing other people and, and pets walking on the street, walk, hike, bike, ride, scooter, run, do anything that is safe, of course, with the social distance until they don't allow us to do that. If indoor activities are not safe options, then there's tons of options in one's house. I mean, you can bounce around in your living room. You can have a dance party with your family. You can walk up and down your stairs. Household chores are huge. And then what many of the facilities have offered, fitness facilities have offered, are these online programs.
1: Which are great.
3: Which have been truly outstanding. Definitely a change, but our new normal for a while Zoom programming allows the community to get together on a screen. Tiny little boxes that you get to see faces and you get to unmute yourself and talk to the other people that you're used to exercising with. The instructors, you get to see their faces and their smiles and their motivational words and they're fantastic. Instagram, live programming, it's a very good option. You don't have that same kind of interaction in terms of being able to communicate directly one-on-one with your coach, having them be able to see you and adjust your form. You don't get to see the other members of the community that you are used to working out with. So that form is not the exact same. But again, the options are there. Um, online, whether it's yoga or Pilates or boxing or equipment-based programs, it, it, it's all out there for us to do. And whenever you can, whenever you can get some form of physical activity in, it, it's just it will help lift your spirits. It'll make your mood better it will make you a better person functioning in our new normal.
1: Agreed. Now there's another cohort out there and that's people that maybe used to work out or maybe have never worked out yep. or, or maybe a little bit older and, and you know, their activity levels are, are, are different than somebody that's fit, but they have a lot more time on their hands yes. and everybody's telling them to exercise. So with, with our last question, what would you recommend to those people about their fitness?
3: Excellent question. And I've been guiding quite a few people through this. So I will start with that same thing. Get outside. Go for a walk. Go for a hike. Do chores that you've put off for days, weeks, months, or years. (laughs) Every time you need something upstairs, do the stairs twice versus once make your household chores into a true activity. If you were to switch over to an online platform, you can do programs like yoga. You can do programs like Pilates. You can do the boxing programs involve no equipment and get your heart rate up a little bit. There's tons of options for those, let's call them more sedentary or new to exercise options are out there for everybody. But just to to lift your arms up and down 10 times, touch your toes 10 times. I'm not asking you to squat and burpee, but I'm definitely asking you to move your body through any forms of range of motion to get yourself back into it. You'll feel stronger and then maybe you can join into a program that, that involves uh, a little bit more challenge.
1: Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today.
3: Thank you for having me, Jamie.
1: Thanks to all my wonderful guests, Joel Thuna, Shauna Lindzen, David Bernstein, and Ali Lubin. And thank you all for listening to The Tonic. You can listen or download this episode as a podcast with full show notes, contact information for our guests, and links at thetonic.ca. To find out more about the show, you can follow us at The Tonic Talk Show on Instagram or Facebook. For great articles written by amazing health and wellness writers, be sure to pick up your copy of Tonic Magazine. Tonic's available free on racks at over 200 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in 11 choice neighbourhoods in Toronto. Or you can visit our brand spanking new website at tonictoronto.com. If you're interested in providing feedback or suggesting topics for the show, you can email me at jamie at Next week on the show, we'll discuss the natural treatment of stress, the antiviral properties of oil of oregano, modern French cooking, and whether now is the time for self-improvement. Until then, this is Jamie Bussin wishing you a healthy and happy week.
0: Please consult a healthcare professional before starting any diet, exercise, supplementation, or medication program. This has been a paid announcement. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.